Hello, and welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Working on one hour less sleep? That's okay. The nap is coming. The nap is coming. Oh, man, there's just something about a Sunday afternoon nap that just makes me feel close to the Lord. Um... If you got a Bible with you or a smart device, I want to encourage you to turn with me, swipe with me to um, the Old Testament, the, the book of 2 Kings, 2 Kings, and we are going to land in chapter 4 um, in just a moment and, and, and be, be, looking at, um, be looking at the first seven verses of 2 Kings chapter 4. Um, I, uh, I've been doing some reflecting lately. Um, you know, here we are, we're, we're entering into, I'm almost done with the first quarter of, of 2019, which is crazy, just a couple more weeks to go and we'll be done with the first quarter. And um, just been celebrating, uh, my, my wife and I, we've spent some time talking at, at home and in our downtime and everything, and, and along with, with some of you that, um, that we've gotten to spend time with and, and just been celebrating all of the incredible things that God is doing here at Christ Walk Church, we've um, every Sunday we come into this place and and um, be it a, be it a worship service or or a prayer meeting that we've held on a Sunday evening or student ministry on Wednesday nights. Um, over in uh, over in Kids Walk on Sunday mornings, our small groups and everything. There's just been an incredible move and incredible presence of the Holy Spirit in everything that's taking place. We see people taking steps toward life change every week. We've got some small groups that are turning into small churches um, in our midst. There's just so many people that are coming to them. Over the past year, we've more than doubled our volunteer base, uh, those of you that serve on a team here at Christwalk. In, in, uh, in two weeks from today, on the 24th of this month, we're going to be celebrating the payoff of our mortgage with a special note-burning ceremony. And... I figured some people would be excited about that. Um, In addition to all of those things, we've also experienced quantitative growth. Um, There's so many new, fresh faces around this place. And, you know, every single Sunday, it seems like we're seeing, um, you know, we're seeing so many new people come through our doors and, and, and come to experience what God is doing here at Christ Walk. Um, in fact, every Sunday this year, this calendar year, every Sunday, the auditorium, the room that we are in right now, as well as our kids, um, our kids' environments, they have been at at least at 80% capacity, 80% or greater capacity every single Sunday this year. And eight out of nine Sundays thus far, our attendance on Sunday mornings has exceeded that of the same Sunday one year ago. So if, if that makes sense, week one 2019 greater than week one 2018, um, we're up about 11.5% overall as a church. And I realize that attendance doesn't tell the whole story of what God is doing here in this place, but it's certainly a byproduct of it. We count people because people count And simply put, healthy things grow. And so some of the the growth that we are experiencing is simply um, a sign of the health that is taking place beneath the surface. 
And it would be very, very easy as the pastor of this church and along with the leaders of this church for us to, to realize, just sit back and, 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 and soak in this moment and take a deep breath and to act like we've arrived. Or for us to, for us to just, just feel like, yeah, like this feels good. Let's just sit right here a little bit. Or we could step out in faith together and we could believe God for even more of what he's already done and is doing in this place. So several weeks ago, I told you guys um, that I felt the Lord had quickened me as the pastor of this church with, with um, kind, of, kind of emblazoned this phrase on my heart and my spirit early one Sunday morning that, that you and I together, that we needed to get ready for an outpouring that he is wanting to bring. And so with, with this move of God that we are experiencing as a church and within our community, what is our response? What, what's our responsibility in this? How, how, do we, how do we act and behave? What are the things that we need to do in, in, in order to align ourselves with everything that God is doing in and through this place? And so for the next few weeks, I just want to share some things that, um, from the scriptures and, and just some things that, that the Lord has, has revealed to me through, through prayer and through conversations with trusted leaders and godly counsel in my life. Some things that I believe that the Lord is, is placing on my heart for this house and for the future of what Christ walk is going to be, who we are going to be as a people and what God is going to use us to accomplish in this community. And that begins here today with 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, starting in verse 1, reads this way. The wife of a man from the groups of prophets said to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. You know that he honored the Lord, but now the man he owes money to is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. And Elisha answered, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? The woman said, I don't have anything there except a pot of oil. Then Elisha said, go and get empty jars from all of your neighbors. Don't ask for just a few. Then go into your house and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and set the full ones aside. Verse 5. So she left Elisha and shut the door behind her and her sons. As they brought the jars to her, she poured out the oil. And when the jars were all full, she said to her son, bring me another jar. But he said, there are no more jars. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told Elisha, and the prophet said to her, Go, sell the oil and pay what you owe. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now, for the next few minutes this morning, I'd like to talk about this idea, making room for the ransom. Making room for the ransom. The widow here in this passage, she was in need of a ransom. She was in desperate need of a ransom. A ransom defined means to redeem from captivity, 
bondage, detention, etc., by paying a demanded price. So here's the deal of, of what's taking place in this passage and, and, and what's going on kind of behind the scenes. This, this woman was married to an up-and-coming prophet. He was, he was of, of the, uh, the, the prophets. He, uh, Elisha kind of oversaw these, these schools of prophets that he was raising up godly leadership in various regions throughout the land. And, and this man, um, he, he would have been one of these prophets under the care of Elisha. And he has, he has incurred some debt. Some people, some scholars believe that, that this debt was incurred whenever he was caring for some young men. Uh, I think it was about 150 or 200 of them that he was protecting them and keeping them in hiding because the, the king at the time was a very wicked man and he wanted to kill these men. And so this man, um, this, this prophet of, of Elisha, he, he was protecting these young men and he was having to buy supplies and things so that they could, so that they could live and, and to provide for their livelihood. And so he incurred this great debt in helping these other people. And so, so then he, he's actually passed away and now his, his wife that is now widowed, she is saddled with this debt that her husband incurred. It was a debt that was a result of something that was beyond her control. It was something that she simply inherited. And not only was it, was it plaguing her, but it also threatened her family, her, her sons in particular. And all she had of any value to her name, this would have been at a time where likely she did not have a job, she was not working, she was fully dependent upon her husband to pay the bills and take care of the household needs and everything. And, and so the only thing that she had of any value was what, what my translation reads as a pot of oil. But, but when, you, when you go back into the original language, we realize that it was, it, was more, it was more than when we think of a pot, we think of something quite large. This was just, this was probably a small bottle or, or a flask of oil. It would be something that, that was used for anointing. It was not even big enough to, to even utilize to cook a meal with. It was just a very small amount of oil, and that was the only thing that she had of any value in her entire house. And it certainly was not enough to pay the debt that she owed. And it was in the midst of this situation that she runs to the prophet to ask for his help, ask for his assistance, ask for his input and his guidance, because she found herself in a situation where she was completely hopeless and completely helpless. And so the prophet tells her, here's what you need to do. You need to go and you need to enlist the help of all of your neighbors. Find as many jars, as many pots, anything that you possibly can. As many empty vessels as you can possibly gather. Don't just get a couple. Get as many as you can find. Scour the city. Get everybody in on this and bring them into your house and begin to take your small flask of oil and pour oil into those jars, those containers. And as long as there was an empty container, the oil from that flask never ran out until she had filled up all of the pots. It was a miracle that was taking place in the life of this widow and her sons. 
And she was able to take the the oil that she had gathered and she was able to go and sell it and then take the money and pay off the debt. She was able to, to raise up the ransom to pay this debt, to meet this need so that then her sons would not be taken into slavery instead to pay it off. The result of selling and paying the debt was life for her and for her family. And when I look around the landscape of the community that we live in and our position as a church within it, I think there are some significant parallels with what we are seeing in a time such as this. As I go about my day to day and as I spend time both here at the office at my job and and with my kids at their schools and at sporting events and, and at the grocery store and the bank and just being out in the community, I look around and I see people all around us that are experiencing a great deal of debt. They are in over their heads and, and many of them do not know what to do. And yes, financial debt is certainly a part of that, but I'm thinking of some things and I'm seeing some things on a much larger scale. The people around you and me in this community are greatly indebted to things like fear and doubt, shame and addiction. They're indebted to bitterness and anger and hurt. They're indebted and enslaved to rebellion and pride and lust and jealousy and envy. And they find themselves completely and totally stuck in their situations. They don't know how to get out of it. And they're searching for answers. The people that I come in contact with on a regular basis are often people that they are searching. They are looking for a way out, but everything that they try turns into a dead end. These debts that these people in our community are, are experiencing, they, they are, they result in, they've resulted in the straining of relationships and, and the splintering of families. All over our community, there are Families that have been laid waste by divorce, incarceration. Our schools are overflowing with kids with behavior issues that are failing not just in math and English and social studies, but they're failing at life. The world around us is in complete and utter chaos. And if you don't believe me, just turn on the news for like five minutes. And that will help to tell the story. And these people that we are talking about, these people, they are our neighbors. We see them on our street walking their dog and riding their bikes. We see them at our jobs in the cubicle next to us or leading a staff meeting. We come in contact with them in our schools because they sit next to us in our math class or, or they're teaching the class as the teacher. We see them as we pass by them in the grocery store or at the park playing with their kids, or on the beach fishing. These people around us, they are our neighbors. 
And despite what things might show on the surface, they are living lives full of helplessness and hopelessness, searching for the answer, but coming up empty at every turn. The debt they carry, though, ultimately isn't a result of anything that they've done. They simply inherited the debt that you and I know as sin whenever they entered into the world. And as a church, we find ourselves at the epicenter of this community with its people, our neighbors, greatly indebted to this sin. And we know full well the solution to the chaos and the remedy to all of the hopelessness, and that is Jesus. That's Jesus. Jesus is the remedy. He is the solution. It doesn't matter what the problem is. Jesus is the answer. And that's why you and I come to this place every week because we have found that hope in Jesus. It's it's what gives us the strength to carry on one more day. It is what we sang about and talked about and prayed about earlier. It is his faithfulness to us. And that is what our community at large is missing. But it's what they are so desperately searching for. In Mark chapter 10, Mark writes, in the same way, the son of man, talking about Jesus, did not come to be served. He came to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many people. We know that Jesus is the ransom to be paid for the debt that our community, our neighbors, all of us that we have incurred. Jesus is the ransom for that debt. And if you'll notice from our passage today, the the prophet told the widow to turn to her neighbors for help. Go to them to find the empty jars. He didn't say, oh, well, I got this warehouse out back and it's just full of empty jars. You can go and take as many as you would like. No, he said, you're gonna have to get out into the community You're going to have to go to the people around you and and enlist their help, solicit their help. You're going to have to get empty jars from them. For her to pay her debt and for her family to be saved and to be able to live, she was going to have to depend on those around her. And as I read this passage and and as I, I think through the implications that it brings up and and everything, it it causes me to ask some questions that I think are applicable to you and to me today. For example, have, have you ever considered the fact that you could be the catalyst for someone else to experience life? You could be that widow's neighbor. You could be the neighbor of someone who is greatly indebted and is seeking after a great ransom, and you may have the thing that they need. And you could be the thing that turns it all around for them. Have you ever stopped to consider that? That you could be the catalyst to change someone's life forever. But there's a responsibility here. There's a requirement, and that is it requires us to be willing to let go. It requires us to be willing to let go. 
Those empty jars that her neighbors had, they were no good unless they were able to, uh, uh, willing to give them to her. They weren't doing her any good in the home of her neighbors. She had to bring them to her house and get inside and close the door. She needed what they had, and they had to be willing to let go of their thing. And here's what I know about Christians, myself included and in particular. We often have trouble of letting go of the things that are ours. Some of the things that we have difficulty letting go, namely, is our comfort. That's what I keep in my jar. A lot of you probably have that in your jar as well. You got comfort stuff down in your jar. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, if you want a religion to make you feel really comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. We're holding comfort in our jar. Or a lot of us, we're, we're holding in our jar the church that we fell in love with the first time that we attended. We came in and, and we saw what we liked and yes, this is it. This is the place for me and I want it to stay just like this forever. That's what we want. And then, and then that rolls in like, like as much as that's connected to our comfort, it, it gets even, not only do we want it to stay just like this forever, but that first place that we sit in the auditorium, that all of a sudden this becomes my seat. Um, excuse me, ma'am, could you move over? That, that's my seat. I've attended this church for 40 years, and that's where I sit. Don't be taking my seat. I knew a lady one time at a church that we were on staff at. I kid you not. She showed up to church on Sunday, and there were some first-time guests that were sitting in her seat. She got mad and left. What? Are you kidding me? That's how we act. We're, will, we're, we're, we're unwilling to let go of our time. No, I'm too busy I don't have enough time for that. No, I, I can't, can't make room in the schedule for that. I've got all this other stuff going on over here. And so we've, we've got time stuff down in our jar. We're, we're, we're unwilling to let go of our money or our resources, our finances, the things that the Lord has blessed us with so that we can be a blessing for others, but yet we'd rather those things just be there on our shelf or, or in our possession or in our bank account because that way we can control them instead of giving them over to be used by God. And we want to stuff those things down in our jar and hold on to it really tight. I'm not letting go of this. We're unwilling to let go of our traditions. And we say things like, well, we've never done it that way before. And so if it's different, then it must be bad. Because I know if we start doing it differently, then that's going to cost me more money. And it's probably going to cause me to have to spend more, more time and effort and energy. And, and, and someone's going to come in and take my seat from me. And, and, then, and then the church is going to change. And it's not going to be the church that I fell in love with once upon a time. And things are going to be different. And that makes me uncomfortable. And so rather than leaning in to what God is wanting to do, we just hold tight to our jar. Why is it important for us to let go? 
Namely, it's because it's what Jesus did. Jesus let go. Paul writes about it in, in the second chapter of, uh, of Philippians. He said, he said that, that Jesus, being fully God, when he came to earth as a man, he emptied himself. He let go of everything. He had 100% right to the throne of heaven, but he let that go so that he could offer up himself as a ransom for many. There are too many lost people in our city for us to worry about our own comfort. And as far as I'm concerned, as the pastor and the leader of this church, we are not going to be a people that allow our comfort to keep someone from stepping into a relationship with Jesus. That's just not how we're going to do things. We will at every turn make ourselves uncomfortable and, and put ourselves out so that others can come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. It's this idea of sacrifice. It's what we find at the very core belief of, of Christianity that, that Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross for you and for me so that we could be forgiven. And in turn, we are called upon to make sacrifices as well. And we are going to be a church. We are going to be a people that we are going to sacrifice the things that we want for the things that we want even more. Because lives hang in the balance. We're not playing church. We're talking about souls and eternity that we're dealing with here. That's why this is so important. What God is doing and what he's called us to. So you and I, we have to let go. Because the Bible is very clear that if we will create space, that the Lord will fill it. As long as there was room, the oil continued to flow. But when, the room, uh, when, when, when there was no more room, then the oil stopped. When that last jar got filled to the brim, there was no more oil. The Lord cannot fill space that isn't there. So you and I, the, it's, it's on us to create new space and believe God to fill it. So I'll circle back to my original question now. What is our response as the people of God to the kind of move of God that we are experiencing in our church? I believe that it starts with us. It doesn't end with this, but I believe that it begins with us creating more space to allow the Lord to fill it. That together, you and I, we've got to let go of our jars. That we can no longer be about our comfort and what we like and what we want and our seat and our place and our traditions, we've got to let go of that stuff so that we can become, we can be transformed into the church, into the people of God that he has called us to be and to accomplish the things that he has set forth for us to accomplish in this community. It's really quiet in here this morning. I 
Well, I've got good news for you. There's a remedy for that, and you're not going to have to give up your seat. Because starting March the 31st, we're going to launch a second morning service here at Christ Walk. So that now your seat can be used by two people on Sunday morning. Now, here's the facts, okay? When I say that, a lot of you bring up questions of why. Like, that's the initial kind of thing. Like, why are we doing this and how is it going to impact me? Okay, like, that's what we want to know. All right, here's the facts. 82% of churches are either plateaued or declining. Those churches are figuring out ways to try and keep their doors open. How are we going to make this work? How are we going to get things to continue? Christ Walk Church is a part of the 18% that are growing and thriving and figuring out how can we open our doors even wider to bring more people in. That's the kind of church that we are a part of today. God chose us for this. That he looked out over the landscape of, of, of Nassau County and of Fernandina Beach and he looked and he said, oh, that's where those people, that place, that's where I'm going to do it. Right there. I'm going to use them to change the face of their city forever. I'm going to, to bring an outpouring there and it's going to start there and spill over into the other churches, into the highways and the byways and the, and the ditches and the nooks and the crannies of that community. And I'm going to use that place to, to be the catalyst and the front runner to change that city for my name and for the kingdom of God to be built in and through that church. Amen. This isn't about us. This isn't about me. It's not about my name. It's not about the name that's on the sign of our church or across our t-shirts or our sweet first-time gift tumblers. <laughs> that's not what it's about. This is about kingdom. This is about lives, souls being saved, added to the kingdom of God. And here's what we know. In 2019, North America, if it's 80% full, it's 100% full. Statistics will show that. Your behavior will show that. It's the movie theater rule. Nobody wants to sit next to somebody they don't know in a movie theater. You've experienced this before. You've gone to see a movie opening night. The theater's crowded and you, you find your spot and you're all stretched out and everything. And there's, there's a couple seats right next to you and somebody, they come and they sit right down next to you. And you look at whoever you're with and you go, really? <laughs> You've done it! So really what I'm getting at is when new people come to our church and they see that it's pretty full, it's 80% capacity, the, the truth is, is that they don't want to sit next to you. I don't know what you've done to these people. So we've got to create more space. Movie theaters cap out at about 70%. And nobody wants to sit next to somebody else, especially those that they don't know. So that, that means that when, when this room reaches 51% capacity, we, we're forcing someone to sit next to someone else that they may not know or be fully comfortable with. People also desire options. 
That's why they don't just show a movie at one time during the day. They provide it multiple times because, you know, your schedule may be such that you can't make a certain show time. Or you may want to go to dinner first. Or you may want to do this or whatever. Or you may want to see the movie multiple times because it's so good. And you just want to stick around a second time. And so they give people options so that they can reach more people. We need to give people options. Here's, what, here's what's happening here. That like, like, yes, we could add some more chairs in this room. We could fill it up a little bit more. But, but that doesn't change the fact that, that our lobby is, is small. And that we can't fit everybody in the lobby at the same time. That doesn't change the fact that, that even though we have adequate parking for everyone, that a lot of it is like way far away over here. And none of you want to park back there. You all want to park close to the front door so that it's easy to get in. So like putting more chairs in here means that some of you would have to park way back there and you're not going to want to do that. First time guests aren't going to want to do that. Just the world in which we live. Adding more chairs in this room doesn't make our kids' environments any larger. And so putting a few more chairs in here is only going to delay the inevitable and, and exacerbate the situation in these other areas of our church. So how is this going to affect you? Well, church is going to be different. Two services is different. It's not the church that you fell in love with once upon a time. It's different. And a lot of us, I hear us say, uh, uh, and I've heard this countless times. I just love our little country church. I just... I just, love, I just love going to a church where I know everybody. Come on, people. You don't know everybody here. I saw it this morning. I, I saw it happen this morning on our volunteer team. Two people introduced themselves. They've gone to this church for a long time, like since before I was here. And they're introducing themselves this morning for the first time, and they serve together. You don't know everybody. And what's more, if that's your mindset, I just want to go to a church where I know everybody. Like, that's not even biblical. Like some of you, if you're lucky enough to make it to heaven someday, you're going to get up there and get really upset because you're going to realize pretty quickly that there's way more people in there than, ju than just go to Christ walk. <laughs> like what? I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was just us. Man, now I'm uncomfortable. I got to stand next to somebody I don't know. Like that's not how it works. That's not kingdom minded. We can't say in one breath that we want people to come to know Jesus, but then say, don't you dare take my seat away from me in the next one. We can't say we want people to come to know Jesus in one breath and say, but as long as it doesn't affect me, as long as it doesn't happen here, we want people to come to know Jesus, but, but it can't change anything about me and the way that I live and the way that I experience church. Because I got to have my, my place and my people and my thing. It's got to be my way. It's not how it works. So we're putting the kibosh on that right now. If you've said that, stop. That's not the kind of church we're going to be. If you've thought that, quit. That's not the kind of thoughts we're going to have. If you've heard somebody else say that or you hear them say it in the future, nip it in the bud right there. You have my, you, like, all the power that is vested in me, <laughs> I give unto you. Shut it down. 
That's not who we're going to be. We are going to be a church that's kingdom-minded. And if that means we have to have two services, 15 services, 134 services, whatever that looks like, we are not going to rest until our community comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to put ourselves out. We are going to sacrifice the things that we want for things that we want even more. Because my goal is to take as many people with me to heaven as I possibly can. That's what we're about. That's who we are as a church. We're simply trying to be faithful to what God is doing in our midst and obedient to the things that he's calling us to do for the lost in our city. Healthy things grow. We can't stop it. You can't. I've got two healthy kids. I know they're healthy because they continue to grow. I wish they wouldn't. We look on time hop at pictures when they're babies. And Sarah and I, we, do, we just we sit and we weep. Can we please go back? No, we can't because they're growing. And like we weigh them down with like bricks and everything. And it, it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't keep it from happening. Like they just, they get bigger and older. And that because healthy things grow. And I'm not concerned about building a big church. I'm concerned about building a healthy church. The growth is just going to be a byproduct of it that we're going to have to figure out. I want us to be healthy. That's the thing. We create health. And when we're living a life in tune with what the Holy Spirit is doing amongst us, that, that's going to create health. That's what we are about. And so as we get healthy and as we experience the byproduct of the growth that comes from that, it's important that we get smaller at the same time. The larger the church gets, the more emphasis we need to place on getting smaller. That's why we need to create two services so that we can break things down and, and build in corporate connectivity with people and create more space. That's why it's important for, um, for, for those of you to serve on a team. Because not only does it help you to, to, uh, to realize and, and, and use your skills to accomplish the things that, that God has called you, your giftings, your passions, your abilities, use those things that God has called you um, uh, and, and given you in order to, to meet the need of his church and to serve other people. Not only does it do that, but it surrounds you with a smaller group of people that you get to know and you get to begin to do life with. That's why it's important for you to be a part of a small group so that you can have the love and the care and the attention and the accountability of an even smaller group of people that you can sit around the dinner table with or around your living room with and you can get to know them. That's why these things are important because as it gets bigger, it's going to be overwhelming for some people. So we need to continue to keep it smaller because we want to know everyone. And when we keep it small and when we make investments in those small areas, that keeps us grounded and connected. So that's so important. So we're gonna use this to create opportunities for us and for our community at large. Opportunities for more people to attend. Now you got two times you can come and look at the goofy guy on stage that says some funny jokes sometimes. You got two times you can, you know, like more opportunities for you to come and experience the presence of the Lord through our incredible worship. More times for your kids to come and, and experience um, the love and the care of their heavenly father in our, in our kids' services. 
more opportunities for you to come and take steps toward life change. That means there's more opportunities for you to invite people. Because guess what? Just because we free up some space for some seats, if you're not spreading the word, we're just freeing up some space for some seats. We got to tell people. We got we to sound the alarm for what is going on. It is, it is on us to be inviters and, and to be bringers to what God is doing here at this place. We got to bring people in. It's more opportunities for us to serve. And now with two services, we'll create a culture of what we call serve one, sit one. And so a lot of you right now, you're serving on like a rotational basis, like every other week because you don't want to miss service. And I totally understand that. You're serving in kids. And when you're, when you're in a kid's environment, you're serving there, but you're missing here. Now you don't have to do that. Now you can serve every week and go to church every week. And it's better for everybody. You get to connect with the same people in your guest services role or, or in your kids' role or whatever it may be. You get to connect with those same people every week. And then you don't have to miss out because you get to come the next service and attend. Serve one, sit one. And it's going to require more people to serve. That's going to open up more opportunities for you to jump on board a team and use the giftings and the skills and the talents that God has placed inside of you to glorify him and to serve the people of this church and community. If you want to do that, run out to the big, and I said run, out to the big orange tent after church and just tell them, hey, I want to be on a team. I got to be a part of this. I want to be a part of what God is doing here at Christ Walk. Opportunities for more to attend, opportunities for us to invite more, opportunities for us to serve more. It's going to be an opportunity for more people in our community to learn what it means to belong and to believe and to become. We're creating opportunities to fulfill the mission and the vision that God has placed at the heart of this house. And so at, at starting on, on, on March 31st, be launching two services, 9.15 and 11. 9.15 a.m., 11 a.m., all right? That's pretty much like 10.10 is when we start now. So whether you're gonna attend 9.15 or whether you're gonna attend 11, you're essentially, you're moving the same distance. It's, it's, it's 55 minutes one way and 50 minutes the other, all right? So it's equidistant. You're not having to, like we're making everybody move, everybody find a new place, everybody find a new seat. <laughs> equidistant. And so for nine weeks, here's what we're gonna do. March 31st until the end of May. We're gonna initiate this as our spring service schedule. And we're gonna continue to chart a bold course and we're gonna believe God to bring an outpouring to this place because we're gonna let go of our jars and we're gonna create more space to reach more people. And then at the end of those nine weeks, as we launch into the summer, we're gonna look at, do we need to go back to one service for the summer months to relaunch two then in August and stay that way going forward? Or are we gonna do this for those nine weeks and then evaluate and, and, and realize, man, we created more space and because of our faithfulness and obedience to God that he poured out all those people. And we're just going to stay there 
We're going to continue to honor God and continue to move forward in what he has for us. That, that's what we're looking at. And so that'll start on March 31st. And I'm excited. I'm excited about the opportunities that this provides, not just for our church and its people, but for our community. And I'm thinking of the stories that are going to be written in the hearts and lives of people at both 9, 15, and 11 as they take steps toward Jesus Christ. Amen. Can we combine our faith together? Like, let's believe God for big things. Let's believe God for big things. Let's come each week with an expectation of what he's going to do. And let's do everything that we can to get people to come along with us. We get to do this. It's not something we have to do. It's something that we get to do. Other churches are trying to keep their doors open. We're having to figure out how do we manage the growth that we're experiencing because of all that God is doing in our midst. It's incredible. And I'm so thankful for you and for this opportunity and for what God is going to do, how he's going to continue to use us to make a difference in our community. So I'm letting go of my jar in case it wasn't clear. And I challenge all of you to do the same. I believe that if we together will create empty space, the Lord will fill it and God will continue to use this place and its people to make a kingdom impact in the community around us. And that all begins when somebody that we've created space for says yes to a relationship with Jesus. And if you're here today and you'd like to do that, you'd like to step into a relationship with Jesus Christ today for the first time, I wanna let you know that it is as easy as A, B, C, admit, believe, and choose. You admit that you're a sinner in need of salvation. You believe that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sin. And then you choose to surrender your life to him and follow his way. If you'd like to do that, I wanna invite you to pray this prayer with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.